0: that's hypothetical, hyperthetical. H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.
1: Hey, it's episode 77 of Please Advise. I'm Molly McAleer. You can call me Malls if you meet me out in public, drunk somewhere. We probably won't remember each other anyway, but uh, you can call me that. It's a family name, nickname. It's not something I created for myself for the internet. said that before on here, but i just like to continue to say it in case there's ever a mixed message that maybe this is some sort of nickname I made up for myself in my apartment. Um, you guys, today we have on someone that I was like... You know when you just like you meet someone you're like, "Wow, we would have never met in like any other circumstances, like most likely, and like you're so chill and I'm so like like, whoa, it's like freaky you're in my life now um it's this guy, Sean Bartholomew, who works at this place called the Springs, which I've talked about before quite a bit. I've talked about him on the on, on the podcast and I've talked about the springs, where I love to go there and get my massages my my juices. I'm dying to do yoga there. I can't find a yoga studio in Glendale and I love being at the Springs so much. So I'm like, why not just do it at the Springs? Um, Sean is like exercising the demons from my jaw right now. He's getting rid of my TMJ like slowly but surely. It's the most amazing massage experience I've ever had. And if you're like, well, Malz, you're a rich person because I am. uh, (laughs) And you're like... (laughs) Oh, and humble, yeah, and, and humble. Um, like I can't afford that shit. Yes, you can. It actually is very affordable. Um, and those sixty dollar massages on Sunset Boulevard do nothing for you. Uh, sit, like, just do this once a year, and you'll you'll be better for it. Uh, it's the best. I mean, and I've seen it all, baby. Um, Sean, how are you?
2: Fantastic.
1: Um, I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you, Maals. This I is love you yeah I love you too. This is your first podcast.
2: my very first podcast. Uh, you're breaking me my little bubble over here. It's good.
1: I'm very, very happy to do it. and the, i'm I'm I think a good person to do that with because I'm pretty random. I have nowhere I have nowhere I like to go except till the end. you know what I mean? I don't I and it. I don't care how we get there. I love it. Um, so well, let's just talk about how you kind of got into massage therapy. Because you kind of created, I mean, you have created your own technique. Yes. Um, it's, the, it's the Bartholomew method is the thing that you do. And, um, you know, it's one thing to go to school and learn how to do something. It's enough to be passionate about it that you create your own method. So how would you say, what was your initial introduction to? I fucked
2: up my shoulder.
1: Really? How'd you fuck it up, dude? It's a very term, like it's a very like technical technical terms,
2: right there. Um, I don't know that my instructors would be proud I said it that way, but (laughs) I've been doing it long enough that I guess I can say that now. Dude,
1: you're you're a rock star in your community. I'm sure.
2: Thank you. Um, I've I've had huge success with holistic body therapy. I'm I'm grateful to be able to do it for people. Uh. I got pummeled when I was a kid with this shit, you know, and and the $60 massages, you know, and it's okay to relax and there's a place for that, but I needed fix me, fix my body, fix my junk. Yeah. Yeah, My shit's fucked up. Yeah. And I need it fixed. Yeah. And so uh, in looking at it, I really wanted a way, result oriented, measurable results. Right. People walk in the door, they walk out a a totally different person, not kind of, sort of, maybe. Yeah. And that's been my experience with the work because I took it so seriously from day one. I literally, over 18 years ago, I'm dating myself a little. I committed my life to the practice. It's that simple. Yeah. I have this statement I give to my kids. You can do anything you want with your life. I did this. Yeah. This is what I do.
1: That's really amazing to be able to commit yourself to other people like that. Is it something that's always been in your personality?
2: You know, uh, it's funny you ask because uh, when I had the opportunity to join the military, I was an army guy, right? Which you wouldn't know.
1: At 18? Yeah, at 18.
2: You wouldn't know that by looking at me now. No, no. I don't look like Mr. Army guy at all.
1: When you see Sean's picture is flowing locks, (laughs) uh, dope beaded necklace on a very cool sweater that i would wear myself he's the man
2: i was a a medic in the army i joined the army as a as a corpsman and had the opportunity to be an ambulance driver and my first week on the job i delivered a precip in the back of the ambulance you know so it was a uh an eight pound bouncing baby boy and and Mama looked at me and said, okay, hero, you're going to catch. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was my world at 18.
1: Wow. And so how many babies do you think you delivered over that time? So
2: in the military, 8 to 10 a day. uh on lo- At a- one of the largest Army posts. Yeah, Darnell Army Community Hospital. They're Fort just Hitch, Texas. them
0: out out there.
2: They're just, well, they go on Bivouac, come back, you know. And- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Making yeah, up for I was that a,
0: lost time,
2: right? I yeah. was a corpsman. I was a, I worked in the emergency room, ICU, CCU, which that work, I think for me now, yeah. like I have an ALS patient right now yeah. that I'm doing, um, she can only blank. I mean, not to bring the room all the way down, but that's the like, world.
1: That's all, that's, that's all, all she, she can, can. She can move her okay. big toe
2: and one of her fingers and Blink with her eyes, yes. So and her no.
1: movement is like done, gone. Okay,
2: she has what Stephen Hawking's has, which right. is uh, Hodgkin's disease. Right. So I am in there.
1: By the way, my family was one of the trailblazers in that disease in this country. Ap- apparently, wow. Like my family was like, you better do the ice bucket challenge because you know, like I guess one of the first like cases or something was apparently someone in my family.
0: Was it a Macallier last
1: name? I oh. I think it was probably a Delaney, um, but yeah. Um, yep.
2: So now my life is, is committed to helping people like what's in your family going on where they can't, they can't move. They can't, they're just eyes. And, and when Does she you, have
1: sensation. Oh yeah. Okay.
2: Oh, she feels everything that I do.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: and, it's amazing how you can communicate with somebody with just their eyes.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, she looks deep into my soul, and I look back into hers. You know. Yeah. But the work is 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 very different from what I do in the Bartholomew method in the f- in the forefront, but in the background, it's all the same stuff. It involves herbs. It involves the the heat. It involves the reflexology. Yeah. All the stuff that we should talk about because. You know, like we talked about with the $60 massages, it's great to have, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend rub you down. That's great. Yeah. You know, fall asleep and good night. Okay, good. But fix me and, and to go after, like, my gonna I mean, be four and a half inches taller in a year, that's a big deal. Right. He had elephant feet. So they were three times their size.
1: Right. And you're doing uh, you have a breast cancer patient right now, which I think is really interesting because you can do not only are her numbers coming back better every single week, which is yeah. amazing every monumental. month, but um, monumental is the sword you always use. And it's but it's true. But also you can do preventative work, which I think is very interesting. I, there's not a lot of people I've never heard of, like, any sort of preventative breast cancer stuff other than you know cut your boobs off
2: no and the thing that pisses me off and i'm i'm about to make enemies but i don't care at this point in the game look the pink ribbon's been around for how fucking long right sorry i i haven't heard anything of you no how much money have we walked around the block for and gotten where where have we gotten with this more pink ribbons let's not do pink ribbons anymore folks let's yeah. do some real shit i'm done yeah um you know, lymphatic drainage is no joke. It's. Do you
1: it's, think part of the answer would be training more people in these types of therapies and stuff like that?
2: You just went to where I want to go the most. Because at yeah. the Springs, we're all about getting the Bartholomew Method out to the world. Yeah. Um, we have had huge successes with diabetes, with type 2, uh, everything from migraines and all that stuff to being able to actually prove that we can flush your lymphatic system. It's not a coincidence that we have an infrared sauna at the springs that you can get into right after your treatment and go sweat the shit out. why I mean, it's amazing to be able to do that because it's going to flush your system and then go out to the kitchen, eat a vegan meal or juice or awesome. all the stuff that you've been saying. These are the things that... Yeah, I I do get a little bit wound up about it, and I say things that are probably going to get me in a little bit of trouble. But you know what? Uh, I I think we do need change right now with what's going on in the community of holistic therapy. I'm not about pills. I'm not about shots. I'm not here to give you injections. Um, I have a client right now, I'm about to post her stuff. I kid you not. They were injecting her in the back of her neck with Botox and steroids.
1: Jesus Christ.
2: To prevent her migraines. And she was shaking all over the place for the last 12 years. And you talk about the last stop on the block. Yeah. Somebody said, you got to go see this guy. And they were just not even interested, you know? and Uh then. What am I going to do? I got to go see this guy. I got to go see him. I made the headaches stop in three weeks. Amazing. No shots.
1: You do like the work that you do. It's like sometimes you talk to people like you go to another massage therapist and they're like, just so you know, you might feel a little funky like walking out that we just moved a lot of energy. And you're like, yeah, I feel a little woozy. Like, I feel like I'm straight up on drugs when I leave after a Bartholomew Method session. Uh, It's definitely, like, it's an experience, Well, we're flushing all
2: that out of your system. And that's the reason why you feel that, you know? And I've always said, and you know this because I've said it to you many times, 48 hours later is my results. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you're going to feel it coming off the table. You're going to feel differently. Yeah. Huge. But we do it all naturally. Everything that I do in that room with you, none of it is is unnatural. It's all 100%. And so if we're listening to your body and you and I have clear communication, life is going to show up really good for you 48 hours from now. That's the way the Bartholomew Method works. It's the way I designed it. And it's really, I'm going to say this one out loud, it's how I want somebody to do it to me.
1: Word. And I've been doing this
2: one for years and years and years. So.
1: I love that. Can I ask you some questions about dating from our deck of dating dating night cards? It's date night cards.
2: It's been multiple years since I was dating, but I will be all about answering
1: them. They're mostly just like kind of like love philosophy type things. So wait, Sean, how long have you been married?
2: So I met my wife uh way back in the day, and I asked her to marry me. Uh, that's kind of a long story but six days later and we've been together for this march will be 14 years wow yeah love at first sight and, and i you totally guys have believe two
1: beautiful kids we and, have like, amazing
2: you're st- children
1: you're uh, still happy like you're still you know ha- probably happier than you ever were
2: happier than i've ever been
1: that's amazing yeah
2: i watched my six-year-old boy Put shaving cream on this morning and try and shave with a razor that doesn't have a blade in it. It was the best thing ever.
1: That's so cute. We'll oh post my that God. picture later. I would love yeah, send that to me. <laughs> I will uh, I will definitely put that on the He's amazing. On the pod. Okay. So these are some questions um that they were they're meant for couples to sit around and ask about each other. Like, what about us do you like? But I pulled those ones out. I'm gonna just ask you some that I think are interesting. Nice. Uh, what skills did you learn when you were young that had the greatest impact on your future?
2: Greatest impact on my future, I think, uh, talking to people, my interaction with people. Um, and I think the part of it was when I was a medic in the Army, although I wouldn't send my kids to the Army. Right. I think that learning sort of the setup, teardown is all important but how to interact with people, right? And, and those social skills. My wife—that
1: um, was your college, in a way. I mean, that's what I really feel college is—is is for you know that same age range of people. It's an incubation where you kind of get to really see how the world works, totally. um, what it's like to interact with people outside of the. 300 kids you grew up with your whole life. You totally. Know?
2: My wife was the uh, poster child for my gym, which is a children's fitness center.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, and it's all social interaction. As it, The side benefit is that you get exercise and you learn how to do things, tumbling and all that stuff. But it's really about putting kids together and having them get along in a different environment.
1: Right. And that, I
2: think, you know, I come from a family of six kids, all adopted. We're all like totally different hair color and don't even look alike we're really different people all of us yeah and that is one of the big things my mother adopted us me i'm the youngest of all of them at 52 yeah so wow growing up with an older set of parents my dad was my hero yeah and that's the other thing that i i really to answer that question respect yeah it's all about respect for you know, the people around you.
1: Those
0: are such good answers. Thank you. What was it like having older parents as a teenager? Was there like a lot of...
2: That's a great question. I, I see you looking at me and I, and I I love that question because it was not easy. My dad was not a, hey, let's pick up the, the ball and glove and go play right kind of guy. But when I was playing trumpet in junior high, right, this guy never missed one of my performances. And he was a Department of Water and Power guy. This,
3: this yeah. man,
2: he and now every time I see a Department of Water and Power truck in LA, the tear, the tears right there. There's my dad, and Aww. I see him at the most opportune mo- mo- moments. I'm gonna cry right now. I love this man so much. He was my hero. He really. We would go to the mall. His favorite thing. You're gonna laugh at this. People watching.
1: No, I love people watching. He too. loves people
2: watching. He would go sit in the mall right with me and we would people would walk by and they would stop and talk to him
1: yeah. which was amazing yeah
2: and they would look at me and they would say oh your grandson and I would correct them immediately I, yeah. no 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 no. that's yeah. my dad yeah that's my dad he was he was a big influence on my life I love that man so oh, I yeah. that's
1: so cool that that Like worked out that way that not only were you adopted into a family, but that it was a family that you loved so much and that you felt. I think a lot of adoptions, people hear a lot of people struggle to feel like Ownership for the family that they lived in. Yeah, well,
2: don't get me wrong. There was dysfunction all over the place. That's, (laughs) I mean, we live right.
0: I was trying. The question I was kind of getting at is like having that teenage angst and how they responded being older versus like someone who's in their like forties when they're dealing with that. Or it's kind of crazy.
2: My father. I go back to him. um, The day my mother brought me home in this little yellow blanket. The story that I always hear is he goes, "What's that?" Right, and Mm -hmm. he's looking at me, and he's like, "What's that?" She goes, "It's a baby." Right, and he goes, "What are you going to do with it?" (laughs) (laughs) Right, and and she says, "Well, he's he's got colic; his tummy's upset. We're gonna we're gonna take care of him, Daddy." And do you know that moment? My father picked me up and didn't put me down all night.
1: He -hmm. took care of me
2: all night long. And I became one of his favorites. Now, my brothers and sisters uh, are a couple years older than I am. And I had the opportunity, and this is going back to answer your question, uh, when I was in my teens, I was sort of the lonely child, if you will, because they had all moved out of the house. And so here, I got to spend a lot of time with mom and dad, right? Just the three of us. And it was really off the hook. I really got to spend. My mother uh, used to write books about the Holocaust and all kinds of stuff like that. And um, pretty intense stuff on my kitchen yeah. table, I will, I will tell you. Yeah. And mom and I used to get into it a lot. right? She had a doctorate degree and, and PhD. She was a really brilliant woman. Um, she owned and operated a nursery school for 35 years yeah she fostered many children especially Vietnamese children so I had a lot of Vietnamese brothers and sisters growing up and um I think that my mother was really like the facilitator of love in the house when it came to bringing kids in but my dad was the acceptant one he was the one that just he would take you on and go all right we're gonna deal with this whatever it is and so that was like a big deal for me you know and and growing up and watching unconditional
1: them, love in that way is very it's very rare and that means a lot to a kid you know well they it's, grew up, you up never during forget a, the person a, who a very hard you. time yeah i mean
2: they grew up during the depression and all right. that kind of stuff and didn't have five bucks to rub together right right
1: right. And,
2: and my mother saw if you really look at this the uh internet tv radio horse and buggy yeah I mean, let's go all the way back yeah, yeah i was gonna
0: say that that also like gap in generations can also play a big thing when you're, you know, raising a teenager. So
2: Super crazy. That. Well,
1: I have another question. Okay. Which item of clothing immediately changes your state of mind when you put it on?
2: Um, absolutely. Without a doubt. What I refer to as my uniform. So it's when I put on clothes that I go to do holistic body therapy in um that i can move around in i never i mean i don't wear ties anymore i haven't worn a tie in like right. 25 years
1: <laughs> but do you have to dress up from time to time
2: i mean occasionally when i go to big events or funerals what's and your I, dress up I, look? I, I very rarely go to a funeral you're kind of looking at it i, I, mean, I think
1: it, a lot of like an all-black moment
2: it's, it's an all-black moment yeah yeah, 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 yeah. but I, I do like a splash of color. I, I am a color. You have guy. some
1: fun pants. I've seen some fun <laughs> pants at at the the spring.
2: I almost wore a pair today, uh, little sarachis that a, uh, a cancer patient gave me. And um, yeah, I love clothing. I'm I'm obsessed with some clothes. There's no doubt about that. And I have more shoes than you do. So
1: yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and
2: I never wear them because I hate wearing shoes. But I don't have any on right now. Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> um. Okay, uh, so what advice would you give you and your wife when you were a younger couple? So maybe like seven years ago.
2: Um, The advice I would give to Heather and I would be um, keep the patience flowing.
1: Yes. Keep the
2: patience flowing. Because uh, we hit, you know, 2008 was hard on everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And we were, believe it or not, in Georgia at the time. She was doing the My Gym thing in Georgia, and we hit a rough patch there. We got run out by some bad people that didn't like yoga, didn't like massage, didn't like a guy who looked like their God because I have that little thing going on. And technically, I was raised Jewish. And they were like, you're not practicing your healing here, mofo.
1: Yes. Get out. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, guess what? I did over 1,500 treatments last year in Los Angeles. They can kiss my ass, all of them. Hell, yeah. (laughs) And I say that proudly um, because we we were the first ones to ever open up a yoga studio there uh, in that little town, and we were able to do some stuff that – they're doing right now. They're just not. Oh, doing Oh no, you were t- you
1: were ahead of your time. You're you're cutting you're cutting edge.
2: It was great.
1: You are because I mean all of this stuff that's like really hot right now. I've known about it for years. Right. Like it's all I mean not Bartholomew method, no. but like the stuff that's like you know my mom was always very healthy. Like she went to yoga. She was juicing my whole life. My grandfather was a juicer. Like there's so I. All of this stuff has just been around forever. Well, and over like- there,
2: yoga is like against their religion. You know, it's like, but oh, it's-
1: isn't is that changing now?
2: Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing is now, uh, my father in law, who still lives there, just turned around and said they have uh, not Christian yoga, but they call it laugh yoga in in their church, and it's like this whole thing where they do this laughing exercises.
1: That's, I'm all about like that. Scientology shit. Sounds a little bit right. like that to me, but uh, <laughs> all right, let's take our calls. You guys, 323-450-7408. That's the number you got to call if you want your call aired on the show. Let's do this.
4: Hi, Malls. It's Ashley. I'm freshly 30 and going on my very first business trip, and I'm pretty excited. Um, it's to Las Vegas, but the thing is I'm going with a couple of Mormons. So I'm wondering, like, I still want to have a fun time, because I am not Mormon, but I want to stay professional, but um I also have tickets to the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil show, so I, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how to carry myself and still be professional. Also, I'm not really sure what to wear. I mean, it's a trade show. I'm not taking in meetings or anything. I still want to look cute, but I don't want to look stiff, so
1: help. All right. Thanks. Bye. Okay. You think you got this?
2: I totally got this one. Um, my brother-in-law, who's one of my favorite, I call him my fun people, woulda, woulda Randy uh, is Mormon. He recently in the last, I would say 10 years became Mormon. And the thing for me is Randy loves me who, who I am. Right. I'm not Mormon, by the way. Right. I happen to be, you know, atheist. But he doesn't mind. (laughs) Yeah. He's not trying to convert me.
1: I mean, we just had a Mormon guest on Jenna Kim Jones, and if you want to listen to her episode, you can. I mean, she wasn't even discriminant in dating about being with guys that were outside of the Mormon faith. I mean, she knew that ideally she would wind up being with a Mormon. But when she was dating, when she knew that she was out there doing whatever, She would date a guy that drank, like she would, you know, like within reason, uh, like I think that Mormons are less eager to push their faith on you than you might think. However, this is, this is a work trip. Right. And I think that you, I'm guessing it's like a three day thing. Like what come, what monsters would send you to Vegas for five days? But like, it's, I think that it's, you, you get your life the night of the Michael Jackson thing. Um, like, you know, definitely take a cab back to the hotel that night. Like, you know, feel free to indulge in the drinks. That's your night out. You've already like set that up. Um, and then honestly, I think that your best, the best thing you can do is keep like, keep it like, play it by ear. Be very, very like aware of the temperature at all times. Like, like, do these people want to go out and explore Vegas themselves? Like there's plenty of things to do in Vegas. Like Mormons love pools. Mormons love video games. They love roller coasters. There's plenty of things for them to do there themselves. So you can't like, just because they're not going to be doing like lines of blow with you in the bathroom doesn't mean that like they're not going to have any fun or want to be out in the city themselves.
2: I know. Absolutely. I mean, um, they do have their set ways of things that they do. And if you're really more interested in how they think, look that up, you know, and take that with you in your back pocket as something that you can bring to the table and give them a a great experience. But don't be afraid of it. Come from love, not fear.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think just to ask them too. I mean, like, are these people that you're cool with at all? Like just, I would make a joke of it almost, you know, be like, or honestly, when, when I had, Jenna, on I said something to her in an email, and I was like, "Oh, I hope that doesn't isn't offensive to you." And she was like, "Literally, don't ever worry about being offended, like or offending me." And I think that that is, I mean, that's more the mo- like modern Mormon attitude. Um, but like Sean said, look that up, maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, typically speaking, the the thought process in there is more conservative, so. You know, yeah, I don't know that I'd be fully honest about how you feel about Donald Trump the way that I do. Right. <laughs> but because uh, they they may be voting for him. Uh, right. I wouldn't have that at dinner. You know, I, I'd stay away from the hardcore subjects. That's all.
1: And to answer your work question, I think sexy, sophisticated all around is going to be your look for this. I like, you know, like if you put a little black dress on then put a blazer on for work and then you can take it off at night and maybe put on a different fun jacket, but just kind of like keep your pieces very simple. You did just say you're freshly 30. You do not need to be like running around Vegas with like your vagina on display. I'm sure you're body is sickening, but you are there with your Mormon coworkers, So like maybe keep that part of you in check for a while. And also I'm a little concerned that you're 30 and like you're so amped about your first trip to Vegas. Like why haven't you just gone out there already? Any I, whatever. Anyway, with love, like come from love. That's what Sean said. All right. Now we want to take a pause and ask you, our loyal listeners, for a favor. We want to get to know you. And to do so, we need you to fill out a quick survey online. You guys, can you tell that I'm reading from copy right now? It doesn't really sound like my real voice, does it? I just want to acknowledge that. It won't take more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. It's a lot of shitty music. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Once we know more about you, the listeners, we'll be able to help deliver the show and sponsors you dream about. By the way, you guys, this is pretty fly because last year when we did this, we found out that a lot of you are single women making above $150,000 a year, which makes me very proud to host. And also, 18% Latina mommies. What's up, girls? Okay, so... Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we'll give you deals and information on the brands you care about while keeping the show free to enjoy every week, which by the way is V true because I am most susceptible to advertising via podcasts. Like how much Cameron Hughes wine do I have the most? And if you don't care about helping us or making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card, won't you? But I don't know why you wouldn't care about us. It'd be very dark for you to be listening uh, if you don't care, please advise.survey.com. That's P L Z Advise Survey.com. Again, that's pleaseadvise.survey.com. Hi,
3: Malls, Christina, and whoever your guest is this week. My name is Julia. I live outside of Philadelphia. I'm 23. I have been dating a guy, my boyfriend, for the last six months or so. It's going really well. Um, And we are going to Mexico in February for a wedding that he is a groomsman in. He um, paid for the majority of my share of the trip and we are sharing a um, suite with his mom and his sister. We all have, you know, three separate rooms. So my problem is that his sister, who I have only met once, um, just got out of a two-week detox heroin detox in December, and she will clearly be joining us. Um, and I'm worried because there will obviously be a lot of drinking at the wedding and, you know, rehearsal dinner, all that stuff. And I'm afraid of how I should react to or how I should handle and cope with her possibly drinking. Um, background info, I have a lot of experience with addiction. A lot of friends are addicts. My father is an addict. Um, Gone to a lot of Al-Anon and I personally believe that she probably should have gone to a 30 or 60 day rehab. Heroin addiction is no joke, but I know what you're going to say. That's not my job. That's not my problem, which isn't what I'm calling about. My problem is how I should deal with it. My boyfriend does not get along with his sister at all. I have a feeling he might escalate it. And I don't want to get involved in family drama, but I also want to just, like, survive this four days in Mexico. So I would really appreciate any advice that you guys can give me. Um, It's been giving me a lot of anxiety. And,
1: yep, thank you. And then after uh, this call came in, Christina got a little letter update from Julia. Hi, y'all. (laughs) <laughs>
0: new development my boyfriend's sister is back in detox it sounds like she won't be getting out until a week before we leave for the trip and then she follows that up with uh five wide-eyed blushing emojis and that's mm. it
2: mm. i don't um, think she should be going
1: on i mean yeah. uh, like okay sorry we're okay so i i'm my mind is blown that this family like that th- this girl doesn't have therapists that are actively advising the family to not take this girl on a trip like that right now yeah. like you need to be at home comf- like in a com- like in the comfort of your bed with your stuff around you your pets like so what if you're mis- missing out on a mexican vacation and a wedding like you b- the stakes are pretty high here hun like it's heroin addiction and yeah. she's already detoxed twice and like by the way it's just a long I have someone very, very close to me who's dealing with that right now. And I really understand what you mean about processing the feelings. You're exactly right. You can't say anything. You can, you have to just treat it like it's normal. Um, but it's the coping thing that's the, that's the big question. And I actually, I would like to hear your thoughts on this, Sean, because when I am around it, you know, I'm only around it maybe twice a year now, but when I am around it, it Just, you know, um, if I see this person drink a beer or something, I'm not I don't think like, oh, you like you can never drink a beer like you you, like you do heroin like that's not I'm I'm, that's not even how I feel. It's just kind of like oh god like this is some like now i'm 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 a bystander i'm a witness to like watching a person like continue to throw upon the shit pile of their life and like continues to tempt themselves and like am i a bad person for bearing witness to this and like all of that stuff i don't know what do you what do you think
2: so as somebody who's been sober a long time and you know that about me
1: it's Mm -hmm. it's
2: um you know, it's something that I help a lot of people with drug addiction. I mean, it's one of the things that I do. And, and the Bartholomew Method really is about detoxing the body. Mm-hmm. So in that, I really guide people towards staying sober anyway. But I'm not here to judge you. That's not my job. It's not my job to tell you whether or not you need to get sober or not. Right. Right? So particularly with somebody who just got out of rehab, not your job. tell them how to work their program now that being said is what you're saying right now is that they should have a sponsor with them if they do go number one to kind of be around them at all times and kind of keep an eye on things like for the first year i mean that's like mandatory yeah especially with heroin either that or as you said in the comfort of your own home in our world it's you need to be in a halfway house with other people that are also going through the same shit you're going through, right? And that way you can lean back on them should you start getting cravings and want to go do a beer or whatever. Um, so, your beer isn't going to take you back into heroin, but at the same time, if you're really trying to stay sober, I mean, right. truly sober, of course, it's everything. I mean, my drug of choice these days is coffee, right? You know, and even that's kind of heavy for me at times, but. Right. I I choose my battles with this poor gal going. She needs to know that it's not her job to keep track of the sister.
1: Well, she knows that, but she's now just like, how do I process the emotions that come up when like the inevitable happens? Like if, you know, I do see her like trying to score some weed on the beach or, you know, getting like getting into the mini bar. My true
2: advice to her is stay close to the boyfriend. mm -hmm. And, be there for him because he's not getting along with, with the sister anyway. And then the, the two of them can be support for one another in processing the emotions that they're, that they are having. Right. Right. And then, you know, the sister's going to do what she's going to do. She's either going to throw a fit or she's going to get that she shouldn't be there, or she's going to get that she needs to go to a meeting. Right. And that's her deal, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whatever level she's at. Right. But for her and the boyfriend, they need to process that together.
1: Yeah, I just, I, 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 in a, also in a way, I kind of wish the ideal scenario here would be if the boyfriend had enough of a backbone to kind of say to his parents, I'm a groomsman in this wedding. This is obviously the whole family's worried about it. Yeah. And like, additionally, like this is just not what's healthy for her. Right. And it's
2: dysfunctional. It's
1: dysfunctional. Exactly. Totally. It's like, oh, but your sister, you know, your sister just got out of detox, but she she doesn't want to miss the trip to Mexico. Like, no, you say that's like unacceptable. You are not doing something that's bad for this person. Right. And if you do, like, if you do, I'm like, I won't be at holidays from now on. We
2: all have dysfunctional people in our lives. It's how you choose to receive their energy. And it goes back to what I was saying. You come from love or you come from fear. She can't be walking around in fear for her entire existence on this trip. She has to really like get to a basic place where, you know, what are we doing here? We're here for the wedding. We're here for each other. We're here to enjoy ourselves. And on that level, yeah, maybe a little body work on the side is going to help you to come down a notch or five Mm -hmm. right maybe a little extra yoga or maybe her and the boyfriend go off and meditate together and have a little bit of the the yummy stuff you know yeah um that to me is where you have to be able to put other people's negative outside of you and i do it all the time because i work with people who have negative that they're trying to process all the time yeah and i can't take that on I just can't, not in, in, in the work that I do. If I did that, I'd be bombarded with it. I had to learn that's how to do that That's such amazing
1: on. strength though. Like that's, you know, it's really, people seem to think that like their empathy is a superpower, but in a, in a way, like it's, it's can being overly empathetic can just bring you to like, just brings you down, right. you know? And Absolutely. it's, it's like, it. I have a really hard time divorcing from like guilt and like shame and like feeling like maybe you know like any any sort of like thing like that. I have a really hard time looking at it and saying like that's negative. I need to let move move forward with it. How did you get to a place in your life where you could do that?
2: Well, for me, I think a lot of it was when I was a kid. Mom did this book, right? She was a psychologist. I'm okay. You're okay. Mm -hmm. And you know that kind of always resonated in, in my background. When I became a medic in the army, I started seeing situations that were not good in the emergency room. These guys coming in, you know, Sunday night, they didn't want to go to work Monday morning. And it was all about them just being in the place and negative and negative and negative. And then they had an excuse not to go to work the next day. Right. And I was like, how can I not be in that sort of situation with them and still be a stand for who they need to be? Right. Right. Right, yeah, so here I'm not taking on the negativity that they're sending in the vibe, and then, for me, it's all about being the positive intention for who they could be It's- what we call being a stand for somebody else's survival, yeah, it's not easy to do, it takes practice, it really so does so like
1: an example of that would be like um, when you see someone negative like someone uh someone's bitching about um someone's bitching about a friend that pissed them off. Yeah. What would be a way, what would be a way to kind of reframe that for them that could kind of maybe give them more of an intention?
2: Yeah. So what you're looking for is the positive stuff about the friend, right? Right. That has to do with the negative, but really what you're trying to do is almost reword it. Yeah. You know, there's a sentence I always tell people that is kind of mind blowing. Take the, the, the but out of it and make it an and. Yeah. So if you say, you know, this friend is is pissing me off um, and I hate them, but they are um, really near and dear to me. If you take that but out of it and you put in the word and, it defuses the entire thing. Right. Or if you flop the sentence around and you say... This person's really near and dear to me, but they're really pissing me off. Yeah. There's that charged. It's being charged. Yeah. Right. It's it's a it's a a negative connotation.
1: Right. It leaves you with the negative thought.
2: It leaves you with a negative thought. But if I say this person's really near and dear dear to me, and they're really pissing me off.
1: It shows that you're the person in pain. The person yeah. writing the sentence is right. the one in pain. They're
2: still near and dear to me yeah and they're pissing me off i have to let go of them pissing me off because they're really near and dear to me
1: yes take the butt
2: out of it and put the word and in and watch what happens to your whole world
1: damn boom that's some uh that's some serious shit dude so julia i just yeah i think that you need to do some like self-care on you and just check out of it and go do will get a
2: reflexology treatment. <laughs> true,
1: And, you know, you would be surprised, by the way, how easy it is to kind of, when you're in a big group of people, especially at something like a destination wedding, how easy it is to, like, just not be around someone. Right. Oh, now we're windsurfing. Like, oh, we'll meet you at dinner, but we're sitting all the way down on the other end of the table. Exactly. Like, and your brother and uh, her don't get along anyway. So it's not like they're going to be like, she's going to be like, why didn't you sit next to me at dinner? Like, well, I have this other thing that weird. I love
2: to exercise called loving from afar yeah loving from afar is something you know not everybody in our family gets along right then me and I don't love them they're my family I grew up with these people and I still love them I just love them from afar yeah And I allow them their process we're all going through processes at the same time how do you do that sometimes with somebody who's pissing you off you just accept that that's their process not yours yeah, and that you can do your process down there and really enjoy the show. Yeah, <laughs> you make it your own little entertaining. Create things that you can do that are amazing, and then
0: <laughs> that's why I moved to California. <laughs> Cheers! Because <laughs> my family's in, living in New York right now. Love them, I from, love afar. them from afar. <laughs> See how that works. <laughs>
2: and if you practice that, you know it, it. Just it's not always the easiest thing to do, but believe me, as you do it. It gets easier. There are some times where you have to create boundaries. And I'm all about boundaries. Yeah. Right. There are times where, you know, I'm not gonna I work in the at same boundaries. building. Yeah. I,
1: I you know what? I well, we talked about this briefly and I wanna just jump right into this. We talked yesterday or today on the phone and I was like, dude, I just need to talk to you about how like everyone I know is fucking tired. Everyone I know is like scrambling around like soul defeated. Like it just I I mean, I've been busier than I've been in recent history and that, like, I have a new kind of busy, which is the new house busy, which is –
2: that's a – Congratulations, t- by the way.
1: Thank you. That's a very strange language to learn, you know? Like, and I couldn't have better guys that I'm doing it with, but, right. like, it's a lot. And, like, BTW, there's spirits in my house. Right, and, like, right. oh, it's, like, I'm also hemorrhaging money, so I have to have a job. And so I drive to Sherman Oaks every day and work with my writing partner. And it's, like, it just is because – I'm, like, so ben- – I don't know if it's the extra driving, but like normally it's, it's taken a toll on me. I'm not used to.
2: Right. So in that discussion that we were talking about, you know, I started thinking, okay, there's a lot of stuff going on in the universe right now. And there's all that moon and the stars and the heavens above and all that, blah, blah, blah. But the other side of that whole coin in grounding your own energy, right. And, and this sounds almost like, you know, dad preaching or whatever, but it's, Being able to take care of yourself in a different way with food, because what you put inside of your body is going to make you feel a certain way. I watched my six-year-old on sugar Mm -hmm. for four days come unglued, and all he did was eat one donut. And it's like, you got to be kidding me, right? Um, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not giving advice medically here. But take a look at what is going in your body for about five minutes and you'll really start to discover, oh my God, I've not been so nice to myself for maybe more than five years. Guess what's happening now? Yeah. My body's now having to react, right? We talked about like your jaw is the perfect example where you grind and clench your teeth. It's one of my works that I do, right? I put on gloves and go in your mouth, fix it. That stuff is all related to stress. So if you look at your stress levels, what's causing you the stress? Well, everything in your mind is in your body. Everything in your body is in your mind. So if your body is processing this whole like torque yeah. because of what you put in your body, and don't get me wrong, Friday night was fun, but damn, I'm feeling that Monday morning. Yeah. You got to process that out. You got to flush your system. So hence the reason why holistic body therapy for me is like this. this we have a, a, a thing on, our, on the website on BartholomewMethod.com. Yeah. Shortcut to health. And it gives you this how to take care of your body a little at a time, so that in the long run you could process.
1: Do you do you think that we culturally like go through waves though, where it's like this? It seems like it's not just me. I feel like everyone around me is like kind of generally down. Like, is there are there periods of time where that happens? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Look where we are right now. We just processed Christmas. Yeah. What was Christmas like for ninety percent of the people that you know? Yeah, it was sugar induced. Halloweens right before that one, so you you you're still processing all that, all the processed food that goes along with Thanksgiving and and all that, and then New Year's Eve I partied it out. Your body. Here we are a month later. We're trying to keep up with our bodies.
1: You're exactly right. I've been feeling like my like just like uh, gr- like a little gross lately, yeah. and I think it's because it's all these months of just yeah. compromised eating.
2: Well, and if you look at the program that we've devised with it, it's not – I'm not a nutritionist, but it's please juice. Hello. Good for your body. Put something natural in it, not processed food. Yeah. You know, my wife's been off sugar and gluten for two years, and she's a different person now because of it, mentally and physically. She's a PTA mom, you know, and and being able to do that now because of who she is in the world of nutrition is monumental. Yeah. I mean – yeah, her and I have been sober a long time, whatever, and we have our little connect with the the health aspect of life where back in Georgia they thought we were, you know right. California nuts and, and, and granola. But you look at where we are in our world now, I mean I just turned fifty. Yeah. I don't look it or feel it.
1: No, not at all.
2: And I want to keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I get a lot of body work. I do my stretches, therapeutic movement. It's all in the program. And in that, your body starts to really process differently. And your by the mind way, when you say of-
1: program, not just interrupt, uh, yeah. like, you don't mean like this isn't like a, this isn't when you, it's not a culty thing at all. Like, no. It's not like there's a meal plan no. and like there's a th- and. Sh- like a check-in with sean yeah. on the phone right, like, right. no it's not like no, that when he means that no. it's like more of a program in your mind of where you're going to be able to take a person from point yeah. a to point this is a being- basic
2: setup of things that if you do these things right i mean they're just really basic movements that are gentle on the body therapeutic movements right that really are designed to be fun mm-hmm. and yet let go of stress in your body okay Neck circles is one of them. If you have ever taken a, a, a yoga class in your life, you've done neck circles. It's one of the major reliefs of uh, headaches and, and migraines. If you use an herbal heat pack with it, we, we manufacture and sell herbal heat packs. These herbs are designed to break down toxicity and stimulate circulation in the body. They are so great at getting rid of migraines and opening up the body, we put it inside of the program.
1: Dude, and- the fascinating thing that you taught me about those heat things is like, you know, when you have everyone's tried one of those neck things at home that's right. not this, not as good as this one, but you know, how sometimes just like one part of it will be extra hot for some reason, and you're like, oh, what the fuck? Like, why is this the rest of this thing fine? But this one spot is hot. Right. You taught me that that heat, lactic acid, is lactic, ad-
2: acid. lactic
1: attracts, acid, attracts heat, right?
2: Yeah. One of the things that we've discovered in the method is that lactic acid. Buildup in the body, specifically in certain areas, calls heat into the body. So, for instance, when I'm doing hot stone therapy, a lot of people are like, Oh, is he going to burn me? Or how's that work? In the old method, they used to set stones on top of your body, right? And in my thinking, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Either the stones are too hot and going to burn you or not hot enough. And then what are they doing? Right. So in the method, we came up with a formula that lactic and uric acid calling that heat into the body, it's actually able to break it down and then flush it out of your lymphatic system, your sewer system. Yeah. So you do get what are called little hot spots. And in discovering those hot spots, it's like, wow, that, that right there is really hot, but no place else it's hot. Yeah. Did,
1: this,
2: did the stone or the herbal heat pack change its heat? No, it's always been the same. It's the fact that we're keeping it moving throughout your your treatment that you're going to notice it in different areas, and Dude. that's where you have stuff going on. That's where somebody who knows the Bartholomew method can go in and actually fix you up lickety split. I
1: got to get in. I I got I, I'm I'm going to try to make a goal to get in twice this week. Friday well, that's and- the
2: other thing. If I if I'm on my soapbox a little bit, and I could share with your listeners. It's to stay consistent. Um, don't think that if you're going to you know, get a treatment you know, once a year that it's going to be this monumental thing that's going to change you for the next five years. Um, yes, it's an investment in your, in your body and in your mind, and it's going to help you, you know, productivity go through the roof. This is something that as you start to do even little treatments, you can do half-hour treatments. Yeah. You know, you can do an hour of treatment. And if you did an hour of treatment every three weeks and really stayed in your practice, took some Epsom salt baths, did some meditations, did some therapeutic movements, watched your diet a little bit, and just really eat clean. Maybe go get your backside cleaned out. We do that down there at the Springs too. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, you know, those are the works that are going to help you in staying processed free. It's gonna help you to stay really within the program that's going to help your mind stay clear. psycho balancing is literally just that. It's everything in your body is in your mind. And so as you start to really adjust the body, the mind follows.
0: Yeah. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. So all of the results that you've seen from your method, is it all anecdotal or do you have data to back up like the results of that you're talking about?
2: Yeah. So a lot of our stuff is, I've got testimonies from people that they have come afterwards and said, this is what my experience was. Um, In the case of our cancer patient, we're actually doing this with the medical field, uh, and we're in the process. I mean, we've already sort of proved, if you will, uh, with paperwork that her lymphatic system changed 100% after doing my method. Um, Her numbers were on the rise for nine months, and after doing my work for three times a week... We did see her for three times a week, uh, 90-minute treatments, full-blown Bartholomew Method with herbal heat packs and hot stones and reflexology and lymphatic drainage and and cerebral spinal therapy, all that stuff that I do in the Method. Um, And she was doing everything else too. I'm not going to discount any of that. Like the
1: stretches. Well, not
2: just that. She was also doing vitamin C injections. She was doing a lot of like alternative medicine. Right. And recently, you know, she's on to um, doing THC and and they're they're doing things up in Canada right now that's crazy with THC and uh, suppositories and juicing uh, marijuana. So, but that's a whole different thing. And in that we were actually able to show that her lymphatic system literally changed. So, yeah. Um, You know, we are looking for more funding to be able to do some clinical studies. This year is really more about training other people to be able to do the method. And in that, um, that money, all the proceeds from those people learning the method are going to go into a clinical treatment program where I can actually track.
1: So wait, even so more. if there's someone listening to this podcast right now who's in the massage therapy field already and maybe wants to learn the method, or yeah. maybe I maybe just learn from maybe learn the method from scratch, Right, I mean, have that be their massage license. com. Yeah, that's how they can reach out to yeah. you? Yeah, reach okay. out to me
2: through bartholomewmethod.com. Um, there's places there that you can see the testimonies, you can see the people that we've worked with, um, that we've done huge work with. I mean, a lot of them, uh, a couple of them were on accident. Uh, there's a couple of video testimonies that are really huge. A couple of written testimonies. There's a written testimony from my quadriplegic that's on there. Um, Those are all things that this year um, we're going to be focusing on getting other people on board with and being yeah. able to train them. And, and really what we're looking to do here is change traffic.
1: I'm really <laughs> excited for you. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So should we take another call?
2: Absolutely.
1: All right. <laughs> Hi, Molly and gang. Uh My
4: name is Liz. I'm – 29 and I live in Seattle. I have a dilemma. Uh, I was asked by a good friend of mine. We've been friends for about eight years now. Um, I was asked to be her bridesmaid for her wedding coming up next September and of course I said yes. I was super excited about it. Um, That was maybe July when she asked me Um, and then, uh, so I just found out last week, actually, that I guess we're, uh, not as good of friends as I thought, um, because I'm no longer, um, in the wedding party. So I don't really know how to, um, go forward, uh, if I should confront her about it and ask why I'm not, uh, in the wedding party anymore, even though, um, she asked me to be in front of like her fiance and everything who I also know really well. Um, so yeah, I just think it's kind of weird. I don't know if she asked anybody else that she ended up unasking. asking. Um, I still want to go to her wedding, but I don't want it to be weird. And her bachelor party, she's having it in Austin, um, which is where we went to the South by Southwest one year and it was super fun, but I almost don't like want to invest the time and money into this friendship anymore. If it really just doesn't mean that much to her. Um, if she had never asked me in the first place, that would have been one thing, but I was super looking forward to it and like budging it out and everything. Um, I just don't know like how to confront her about it if I should confront her about it if I should uh I just don't know what to say so hopefully you guys can give me some advice I know that you will um thanks so much love the pod and uh yeah can't wait to hear back okay thanks
1: I have a lot of questions I want to know like how your friend told you this information that she didn't want you anymore uh for the bride bridal party um I have, uh, you know, is she like a bridezilla? Is she the kind of person that like you you can't even approach her about her wedding because it'll just be a disaster? Or is this the kind of person that you still feel comfortable maybe going up to her and being like, "Hey, girl, look, like I it's I'm totally fine not being a bridesmaid. To be honest, like it's it's fine. You know, I, I was looking forward to it, but I but at the same time, like I'm really excited to enjoy your day. I was just wondering. If you could maybe give me some insight as to what happened, because it could be anything from like maybe a financial issue that she's embarrassed to say, like he has, he only has five groomsmen and she, they can't afford a six dress for her, or like, you know, and that's maybe, uh, uh, I, I, I'm almost tempted to think it's money. I, I just can't imagine. I don't know. It seems that's very, uh, it really, bo- it's really bothersome to me because it's pretty trifling on her part, you know. To like, you know what? Just deal with it. Just have her pose last on in the row of wedding pictures, like you know, and then cut her out and post. Like, but, but I don't know, Sean. What do you think?
2: Well, I, I'm on board with your questions because it sounds like you know the groom to be on some level, and maybe there's. I don't know, something there that I'm not hearing the answers to. But my my true – the thing that I heard in the back of my brain when I heard the question call out immediately was, to thy own self be true. Yeah. And I think that this young lady uh, needs to confront on some level, like you just said, even on an nonchalant, Hey, girl, what's up? You know, Yeah. Uh, was there something that I could do or is there something that I did? Or I don't know, think that we know the whole story on it.
1: I mean, that's the thing. It's like, what aren't you telling us? Right. Because you seem kind of like well adjusted about this story for someone who has literally no reason, like no reason yeah. for this to happen to you. Like, I
2: will tell you, and this was my experience. Uh, we had our wedding at a Japanese Zen garden in downtown Los Angeles, right? Cool. Super bitch and layout, 500-old <laughs> replica of a Japanese Zen garden, right? It wasn't uh, what I would call a cheap wedding, right? Dad, like, put some money up and did his thing. And here's the deal: a bunch of people didn't even show and they RSVP'd.
1: Right. That's really So here how- we had
2: these plates that we had paid for, right? And. People didn't show and we were like pissed. Yeah. All that money went out there and here we didn't have people showing up. To, and in the beginning, it was like taking it personally. Yeah. And then I don't know. I don't know. There, There is something here that maybe it is a financial thing for the bride. Yeah. On that level. Because money is the thing that gets in the way of everybody. Yeah. Always. You know, just on every level. And it's the reason why I got pissed off when people didn't show up to the wedding. I was like, what the hell?
1: It just seems very, like, exclusionary in a weird way. Like, if if maybe if one other bridesmaid was unasked, you know, I mean, she says she doesn't know. Right. Um, But maybe if you're comfortable enough with the husband, maybe ask him and just say, I don't want to bother her right now. Like, I know that. This is her time, and I don't want to take away from that for her in any way. Right. Um. It's also your time, but, like.
2: But I'm, I don't know that no. I'd be going to the wedding and putting on the song and dancing. Of- well,
1: I think that she's friends with lots of their fr- I think it's, like, they have a ton of mutuals. Okay. They, like, probably went to college together. Right. And I think not going to the wedding is not going to a wedding when you've been invited and, like, don't have a valid excuse is kind of a fuck you. Uh, exactly. And I, I, but I don't, th- like, does a fuck you deserve a fuck you? No, like it, I think that it, it goes sh-
2: back to the other thing I was saying.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. I think she, she's
2: taking the butt out of it, and putting the end.
1: In it. Yeah, she she.
2: And she didn't
1: save her money on the Bachelorette. Save your money. Like, don't don't put yourself through those emotional hoops. You uh, know, exactly. Like that's that's a boundary. I will not allow myself to be beat up at the Bachelorette party for Beautiful. the bad about myself. You know, um, but. Just go to the wedding and have a fun night. And, that right. me- and now that the spotlight's off you, that means that you can go get drunk at the bar and just like go have fun. You'll probably be seated at the Enjoy. singles table and just love your life.
2: Just don't pick up on the rest of the grooms.
1: But will right. you please call me and update me on what she said? Uh, because I would really like to continue your saga. I really think this is a really. It's interesting. It's also, I think, a nightmare for a lot of girls. Like, like, what's the worst thing that a friend could do? Like, oh, like, kick you out of her wedding. Like, that's that. Like, for younger girls, that's, like, a big thing. And uh, it's very rare that we get something this this classic, uh, on this universal to young women on Please Advise. Weddings bring out a lot of drama in people. They bring out breakups and they bring out drama. So we have a letter here. Uh, it's from a reader. She wrote, hey, Mals, you mentioned in a recent pod that you are welcoming constructive criticism, so I wanted to ask if you think your show glamorizes drug use. How do you think that affects your younger listeners? There have been several episodes, particularly the one with Brittany Scott, that I think set a bad example. I would love to hear you discuss this in an upcoming episode. Thanks. Irene. Well, um, I'm no one's mother, and I don't pretend to be as such. Um, you found this podcast, you know, I it speaks to your soul in some way, but I'm a 32-year-old woman uh, who's lived a lot of experiences, and I don't—to not share those experiences would be a dishonest representation of who I am. Of course, I edit things. I edit my tongue all the time. Like, uh, before things leave my mouth, sometimes I really have to think about them. Sometimes after they leave my mouth, I have to think about them, and I ask Christina to cut them but i um i really uh i re- i really don't know i mean because this is the way this question was written is to de- to uh inspire some sort of like guilt or something in me um and which is like you know That's some people's approach to, like, shame someone and to being like, okay, like, what's your rest case scenario here, Irene? I'm like, okay, I'll never talk about drinking and drugs again, even though this is a podcast for people in their fucking 20s and it's underneath the comedy vertical. Like, there's way worse things than me out there. Uh, Yeah. And, you know.
2: Yeah, me on Tuesday night.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The
1: entire fashion industry. I know. Back in
2: the day, I used to be the guy, right? Uh, that on tuesday night at any given tuesday night i was in the car at four o'clock in the morning with it running passed out behind the wheel in front of the bar i never made it away oh my god i was that guy and i'm not i'm not saying hey you should try that yeah not on any level um i'm also the same guy that you know i've been sober a long time and and you know coming here i was like oh Malls, I know malls, right? Yeah. I'm all about malls, man. I follow <laughs> you. I know you shit, right? <laughs> so, you know, listen, we all have to walk in our own shoes or, in my case, without shoes, yeah. you know? And that's up to me to not wear them, you know? And I think it's, it's all part of that process where you're listening. <laughs> and you're listening, I think, on... So many levels help so many people, and I love you for that.
1: Yeah, and 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 thank you, Sean. And and I uh, want to also throw out there that I'm not a believer that if you smoke a little weed, you're going to necessarily wind up on meth or whatever whatever your worst case scenario is. I live in California where weed is legal. I openly talk about smoking it. I have done drugs in my life. That I, I haven't done a hard drug in like two years, three years maybe. I haven't done coke in three years. Um, but I mean that that, and I'm saying that because it's not that it was something that I did that frequently but um, it was still something that I would consider doing. Now I just wouldn't consider doing it and I don't <clears throat> go to places where I know people will be because I don't like to be around it.
2: Yeah. But see the fact you're sharing that right there. Yeah. What you just said is so Fucking huge, man. I mean, it really oh, is huge. It's huge. Is it? Well, yeah, because you're saying to others that what you have done in your past is your past. Yeah. And you can do anything you want with your life. You can do tomorrow, and tomorrow's not always easy. Yeah. It's always a process. And through that process, look, I did what I did and I do what I do now. I'm making it through today. Come tomorrow, I'm going to make it through tomorrow. Yeah. But being able to to put forth that effort is is all about the processing. So maybe she's just processing right now, and she you know trying yeah. to figure out which foot to put in front of the other. You know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely did not mean to mislead you by uh, if if you think the show's supposed to be family friendly. But even
0: just, like, we have our shit together and know how to give advice. I mean, we just kind of base it on our own experiences. We're not experts. We're
1: shooting the shit with our friends, dude. We have on, most of our guests are on reality television. Like, (laughs) I think you can, um, I think you can assume that we don't take ourselves too seriously over here. But, you know, I watched plenty of, I had access to plenty of stuff. I watched Animal House, like, every other weekend when I was growing up when I was a kid. And... I that didn't drive me to do that. That didn't drive me to do drugs and alcohol. In fact, I didn't even, I didn't even drink until I got to college. Like I never drank in high school, which is like, by the way, not like the biggest brag in the world. I realize most people should wait till twenty one, but in a world where people start that shit at eight years old now, right? Uh, I was pretty psyched. I didn't. I was fourteen. Yeah,
2: I was fourteen I was yeah. you know and I was I was the guy out in the parking lot
1: what was your what was your drink of choice back well in my 14? drug of choice was weed yeah. in the beginning
2: yeah and then uh it was all to entice a girl to talk to me because they were smoking and yeah that became the comfort zone so it allowed me to put on the sort of like hey I'm the surfer dude and I'm safe kind of mentality yeah hey do you want to go smoke a joint with me and then the moment i got that one going the rest hit and it was just running i mean it was you know bacardi 151 and then in the end it was patron and case of amstel light eight ball you know all that stuff and you know now i look back and go who was that guy
1: right you don't even relate to that. Don't
2: relate to that at all. I mean, hanging out with all the people I used to hang out with.
1: Is... Did you do like a proper program, like an AA and a in the beginning? I, I
2: did. Uh, I got a nudge from the judge, as they got call it, it right, I, and it was two joints. Yeah, it was the the song two joints. Yeah, you know? and, smoke
1: two joints. Sublime, What's right? Up?
2: And I did those two joints, and they saved my life. And uh, you know, I had some other stuff going on in my world that really. Self-reflection time, but probably the hardest drug out of all of them to give up was the cigarettes, believe it or not. I
1: heard Ozzy Osbourne say that once. He said it was easier to quit heroin than cigarettes.
2: Yeah, the I never did heroin, but um, I will say this. The, the cigarettes uh, were way harder than the weed, and, and the weed was not easy. But once I decided to give up the weed... I just knew that that was not in the cards for me to be able to do. It was part of just getting sober and changing my life and and having a manageable life. I mean, it's, like I said, putting one foot in front of the other on a daily basis. And when you get out of bed, and you can't figure out where the floor is like I did. Right. I mean, that's where I was living. I I was in a bad place back then, you know? And I'm here to say that, yeah, I'm – grateful i'm able to do what i do now as a holistic body therapist i'm able to help people as a holistic body therapist through sobriety and just you know i got a bunch of stars and all that kind of stuff famous people and all that but yeah. it's like back then if you would have said this is what you're gonna do 10 years from now if you get sober i'd have called you an idiot no way right, right? and and if you would have told me you have to get sober i would have said no yeah. It's not going to happen. It's, it's something that I think that it's all part of the process, and there are good days and bad days, and you can get through today uh, a little at a time. That's what it's really about. That's why I love what you're doing here, because you help people get through today sometimes. And please advise to me is all about getting through today, baby.
1: You're so awesome. That is like the best thing anyone's ever said. I have to say, the favorite tweets that we get are definitely the people that are like when Tina the diva is like, finally, like the kids that I work with are asleep so we can I can listen during their nap. And like someone said she listens and um she's a hot like and works in an in, in an e r and listens to us when she's getting through her shifts, and like, yeah, people talking about getting into it on their commutes. like that means so much to me because I. I'm such an audiophile myself and I know how much I care about the stuff I listen to. And like, I, I so I just appreciate that you guys listen it means a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, I think we should take another call in honor of that sentiment. Sure. <laughs> hey, i all this is Krista. I called back in the Amy Kaufman episode, um, about my friend who's, uh, new boyfriend is hitting on me. Turns out he's a piece of shit. Shocker there. But, Uh, they're no longer together. It had
4: nothing to do with me. Um, But my question this time is uh, completely unrelated. I just wanted to know what you think of the new season of Pretty Little Liars because I am living for it uh, and I love it and I
1: don't know any other grown women that watch it
0: uh, other than people on the internet that I don't actually know
4: in life. So what do you think? Uh, What are
1: your thoughts on the characters
4: and all that good stuff? Thanks.
1: All right, so... I have so many thoughts, Sean. Do you know what Pretty Little Liars is? I
2: do not. I'm sad. It's a show. I shut off my TV set.
1: No, that's good. (laughs) It's a show on ABC Family. Well, it's now it's called Freeform, but the channel that used to be known as ABC Family, and they're now in their fifth season. And the first part, or their sixth season, and the first part of the first five seasons were about the girls being terrorized by an anonymous person who had. All of their secrets, uh, like wrapped up and was constantly like threatening them and chasing them and like putting them in crazy situations, crazy. making them do like bizarre shit in order to like protect their parents from maybe getting arrested because of some secret they kept, whatever. Tons of crazy shit. Okay. So now, it, in order to kind of reinvent the series, reinvigorate it after all that, they, um, they did a time jump, and now these girls who have been playing teenagers, and but in reality are in their mid twenties, um, are finally getting to play characters in their mid twenties. It's ah. close, to, and it's closer to where the audience is, um, who started watching it when they were in high school. I'm too old to be watching this show. I'm a 32 year old woman. Uh, <laughs> but basically, uh, I just to this caller. I am loving this season, and the reason why is because there's really not a lot to think about yet. Um, There's a lot of things to consider, but I feel like I feel like I was working a full time job the first five years, like trying to just keep track of all of those mysteries. And like it was obvious that because they didn't know how long the show would be airing for, they had to complicate and complicate and drag the mystery out a little bit longer, like Give us a little clue, but then have that clue not really be true. And so uh, right now we're just kind of like collecting. We're in that beautiful collecting information stage. Um, And I think it's cool that um, Spencer and Caleb are hooking up. I've been listening to like these podcasts, right, where – they're, I'm, like, trying to find people who are on my level. And the bros who watch PLL, too, their podcast, they're great. And then Pretty Little Podcasters has some good stuff. I did their episode, their podcast for the premiere. But um, a lot of these podcasts out there, like, the theories are so 101. And I'm, like, you didn't pick up on the nuance, like, of that scene. Like, you didn't – it really, like, it's it's very difficult for me to not have people to talk to about this show at length every week. So I actually think that once I'm in the new house, it would make no sense, actually. But once I'm in the new house, maybe I could do a, a like a limited Pretty Little Liars podcast for the end of 6B because uh, it's very important to me. Um, yeah. And then also I want to say that um, I'm loving alcoholic Ezra um, like Arya's boyfriend Liam like looks like a Jewish hipster, but his name Liam. And it's like confusing to me because he's, like works in publishing at Boston in Boston. So I'm like, really going for Irish guy? And then realized that they probably didn't get an Irish guy that realistically looks like he works in publishing in Boston. So they brought in like the gentle Jew and like just never changed the character's name. Wasn't there already a Liam? Or no? No. Um and then uh I, yeah, I love that Ezra's an alcoholic now. Uh, I love... Uh, I think... I just... Emily is the most boring fucking character on TV. They could do anything with this character. She was a teenage lesbian that dated half the town. She was uh, addicted to Vicodin. She was part of this like whole like group of girls that got held captive in a fake dollhouse and were like... Uh, tortured for weeks. Uh, she's been in the media like millions of times. She is now doing IVF because she dropped out of college when her dad died and, um, wants to, uh, donate her eggs for money. Like they've thrown her in so many situations and I I couldn't be less interested in her. I don't know why. I don't, it's, I think maybe the mom doesn't sell it for me. And I think that Shay Mitchell doesn't really, I don't really buy her acting. Maybe it's like the way that she relates to the way it's written or something. I don't know what it is, but it's like I just don't get that character. It's so she's so boring to me. And I don't understand how cuz those had that has all the makings of like the best character, you know? Yeah. So
2: She's She fucking
1: turned <laughs> she she turned a married woman last year. The yeah, she this married woman was in an like uh, told Emily she was in an open relationship with her husband, but she wasn't. And Emily started like hooking up with her. She was like a 35-year-old woman. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I'm pretty into it. I love that Arya said Ezra loves small girls because we really all know what that means. Um, and I'm excited to see who this new villain is. I think the emoji's dumb. I really hope that, uh, you know, just typing uniforms into Google can garner some cool results for the new A. But Whatever. Sorry, I just bored you guys to death because that was the end of episode seventy-seven of Please Advise, Sean Bartholomew. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Where you. can people find you on the internet?
2: Uh, www.bartholomewmethod. It's B-A-R-T-H-O-L-O-M-E-W method. You can also find us down at the Springs. thespringsla.com. dot It's in the Arts District in downtown Los Angeles. And then we also have a little getaway uh, up where I live that we keep unannounced to people. Uh, a little wellness center that uh, you can come and get a treatment.
1: Up so if the, you're in Arrowhead?
2: Yeah, up in the mountains, up in Arrowhead, Twin Peaks area. Um, we'll hook you up with an appointment, set you up with the private address, come in and rock your world for you.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, dude. And, yeah, even if you just come to L.A. for a trip and you can – Have some downtime, like book a session at the Springs. Like, it's something you can do in LA when people are like, What are you doing in LA? If you're anything like me, if you want to like experience that sort of like LA health movement, but want to do it at your own pace and like still feel like luxuriated and not like you're eating like gross food or juices you don't understand or like you can't drink a glass of wine. The Springs is the answer to all of those questions. Like, it's, it's affordable. You can spend a full day there. You can bring your laptop and work. You can get a great juice. You can get organic wines and beers, gluten-free stuff. It's amazing. So, and then, of course, you can get a massage. And I think that that's the best thing to treat yourself to on vacation.
2: Bless you. Thank you, my dear.
1: Okay. Well, um, that's it. Please advise. Look for us online, salclown.com slash Advise. Also, iTunes, subscribe five stars. Those ratings and reviews really help people finding us. And, um, that means more money for mama. So maybe like $54, uh, one, one of these months. Um, uh, yeah, you guys, I'm at malls. Christina's at Christina Lopez. Uh, we're both on Instagram as well. We love you. Bye.